And when that beat drops, you know it is time for DLC. Are you a geek that speaks? This is my Jeff Kanata impression. Hey, gamers deserve to have their voice heard too. Register to vote. It's easy, it's simple, it's quick. And if you are in the U.S., hey, it's important. I don't. If you're not in the U.S., I don't. I don't know how you're kangaroo court works um <laughs> uh my name is christian spicer jeff canada will be making a bonus content appearance at the end of this episode but on this labor day here in the united states mr jeff canada and mrs jeff canada are um laboring away i think baby canada's coming today if not already I, and i was told i was allowed to say that so um, the show must go on, but Kanata is, you know, doing his best of keeping his eyes on her eyes and, you know, doing what a, <laughs> what a good dad in the delivery room does. Hopefully it is smooth and wonderful and he's having an awesome Labor Day and uh, welcome to parenthood, buddy. But the show must go on. I have a great guest returning to the show, a dude I met because of this show over the internet because of a love for rollerblading and then we met in person and neither of us killed each other you know that dlc stands for your downloadable christian and your downloadable canada but today it also stands for dude love cincinnati (laughs) 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 um i will let him enter himself but i know him as the ceo of chore monster friend of the show gamer vr enthusiast tech uh hobbyist beat master extraordinaire in the making Chris Bergman is here. Hello. What's up, Christian? How you doing, man? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Thanks for doing the show. Jeff uh, dropped the baby news on me, I think, late last night. I think you were my first uh, my first text and being Labor Day in the U.S. A lot of people already had barbecue plans, but you and I both had plans just to avoid our families for a little bit. <laughs> well, I think you caught me at a good time. I was at the I was drinking at the in-laws and uh, looking for any excuse to not do that again today. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a five-hour show coming at you today. <laughs> um, so why don't you tell the people that maybe don't know you? You, I know you as Chore Monster, but I don't even know. Is that still the parent company? Like you had a huge month last month, right? Yeah, we did. Actually, just last week. Um, last month. Uh-oh. My two new apps. I lost you for a second. Uh, you faded out for a second. Start again. <clears throat> okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, cool. Um, so last week, uh, last Monday, we launched two new apps, uh, one called Mothership that focuses on uh, sort of a parent dashboard, and then another called Landra, which is essentially chore monster for teenagers is kind of the best way to describe it. But in that, we actually rebranded the name of the parent company, haha, <laughs> get it, uh, to, <laughs> to Family Tech. So now uh, I'm officially the CEO of, of Family Tech, uh, which uh, produces Chore Monster, Landra, and Mothership. Okay. Okay. So has your role changed any other than just lack of uh, sleep because now you have three babies plus your actual babies plus everything else you're trying to do? Yeah, I gave up sleep a long time ago. I think that comes with uh, Jeff will hear about that real soon. Right. Um, I think it, as soon as you become a parent, just sleep goes out the window. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's the same thing. This is something we've been working on for a long time. Actually, we have, uh, you know, we have three apps in the marketplace today. Um, and we're like six next year. So there's a lot of stuff coming in. And, and this switch was really to kind of lay the foundation for uh, some of our future plans. Nice. Well, this show is brought to you for free the way we like it to be today because of our sponsors, Squarespace. Squarespace and Mac Weldon. And I'll give them shout outs later in the show. But and also I want to get back. We talked off air a little bit uh, about how your rollout kind of relates to video game rollouts today. And I, I want to get to that. And we will. I promise you we will. 
But we're going to start the show sure. the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Okay, Bergman, you are the guest. It's you and I to carry this ship, buddy, so if it's a short show, that's fine. Uh, but there's some news that dropped at the end of last week that we have not talked about on this show. But as our guest, you get first pick. What do you think is your story of the week? Sure. Um, well, I think the biggest story of the week, I'm going to let you lead on, um, mostly because I'm not uh, a huge Nintendo guy. Um, but uh, not this morning, actually, that I thought was very interesting. Um, talking about this, the Sony CEO citing Pokemon Go, um, saying that they're aggressively pushing into mobile gaming. Um, if I remember correctly, you are a big fan of the Vita. Yeah, I love the I love me some Vita. Yeah. How do you feel about uh, um, Sony saying, "Hey, mobile is something that we we want to push towards"? Uh, seeing Pokemon Go being so successful, I mean, I think it makes sense, right? Yeah. So Sony has seen Nintendo's success with Pokemon Go, and and the quote is aggressively getting into mobile gaming is what Kaz said. And I get it. I get chasing that money, especially if Sony has a property that they own wholly. Um, you know, Nintendo, those, that Pokemon Go money is getting split four ways if you count Apple taking its cut from the App Store. Um, I understand it. I, I just hope that it doesn't affect the games that I love because Pokemon Go is not for me. Like, I, I think even an Uncharted Go or Last of Us Go or whatever it is, like a franchise that I love, that type of iOS gaming isn't something that has really excited me recently, but mm -hmm. if they're able to make that game and that gives them, you know, huge cash reserves to then make some weird quirkier titles um, or fun games like Flower and Journey and more of those things, then I'm all for it. Did you dive into the Pokemon Go? Is it an app curiosity from you as like a, a tech startup, what's going on in the space kind of thing? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, interesting. Like, like Mo Pokemon Go has been on my radar solely due to Niantic and the fact that the founder of Niantic came from Google and was literally one of the creators of Google Maps, right? So this right. dude's been... <laughs> right. I, I mean, that's the thing that I don't get. Like, you know, all these, whether it's Sony, whether it's Microsoft, whomever, right, saying, oh, well, Pokemon Go is doing well, so we have to now we have to go make a mobile game. And it's like, yeah, but this this dude's been working on this, you know, quietly for like 20 years. Right. Like this <laughs> right. isn't, you know, this isn't an overnight success or something that happened, you know, and, and Pokemon was like the only way it could, it could work out. I mean, this dude had been working on mapping in general and then gamifying mapping for a long time before he was able to get the Pokemon license. And so to me, when I look at Sony saying, hey, we're going to go into mobile, I kind of feel like, dude, haven't you guys tried that a few times and it's not worked out too well and like why is this different why is this time different i think that's the question that i that nobody's answering right like and i guess until they launch some titles on ios or whatever we're not going to see it i think uh hitman go and and there's a tomb raider one as well they're on mobile that are, are are done pretty well and and they're great little mobile games but they're still little mobile games um even in pokemon go itself you look at user retention over time and i mean it's dropped off dramatically and that's just going to continue down the road i don't know i just sometimes i want somebody to come out and say hey here's our core competency we're really good at making <laughs> games we're just going to keep making games the way that we've been making them and be better at it than we have in the past yeah i think that's a good point i wonder how much of Kaz's statements are to appease 
stockholders that maybe aren't us or don't listen to this show or other video game podcasts where, you know, Pokemon Go has hit the mainstream in such a way that people are like, hey, this thing is making all this money. You make things like that. Why aren't you making this? Why don't you have all this money? And and to me, that's kind of like saying, hey, you're a movie studio. Why don't you make uh, Finding Dory? <laughs> it's like, well, right. uh, they've been kind of building to that for years, right? That's the thing that, that cracks me up is these guys are, are answering to s- stockholders as opposed to answering to creative directors and people that have vision about where to take a product. Like the reason Pokemon Go was successful wasn't because – you know, they, they're like, oh, how do we get an IP on mobile? It was years and years and years of one dude having a good vision for his product and going out and executing it. You know what I mean? And, and not, you know, it wasn't the vision of, of, of shareholders. It was the, it was the vision of, you know, uh, uh, some, and wanted to, to make something. I'm going to keep this show forever. And then we're going to listen to this part again after your companies go public. <laughs> <laughs> let's see how it is uh you you teased at it and there's some other stories we can hit certainly too but you teased at it and it was at the end of last week after uh, last monday's show was recorded in the can but uh, i think my stories and i can roll them into one we can kind of walk through them nintendo last week i believe it was thursday or on september 1st they had a 3ds direct and i think when they announced that a lot of people were kind of thinking a 3ds direct like what are you (laughs) what are you doing you're not going to talk about the nx at all and they didn't they did not talk about the NX, but they did announce uh, a couple of things as related to the 3DS. Uh, number one, Super Mario Maker is coming to the 3DS. Yay, right? Uh, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. Uh, releases December 2nd. It looks just like the Wii U version in action, except you can't upload levels online, which means you cannot share them. As bad as sharing levels in the Wii U was with like your level code or whatever it was. This version you can't do that at all, but they said, "But wait, but you can share, you can share with Street Pass locally. That's you know, it's a it's a portable console. That's cool, right?" Uh, uh, it'll be cool at E three. Yeah, like that's what you're gonna need is like E three packs. Like it'll be like you come loaded with like your monster levels that you're ready to share, and you're like, "Meet me at uh, South Hall, four p.m." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I outside of that, it, it's uh, it's pretty limited. Yeah, and and you know the thing that I don't know maker being on 3ds or uh, yeah specifically is I I don't understand how they like like how does Nintendo view the people that that buy their products I mean it, are they just because you know even um, like the amiibo stuff and everything else that came out of Nintendo Direct it seems like they're just re upping on stuff they've already released. Um, and making it a bit more portable. Well, that I think is a good point. We'll hit on these other things real quick, and then I want to circle back to that. They also announced Yoshi's Woolly World is heading to the 3DS. It's pretty much the exact same game, but it comes with Poochie and Poochie Pups, which are help point out secrets uh, along the way. Some animated shorts, which look pretty cool. And, of course, they're making a Poochie Amiibo. That's coming February 3rd, 2013. And then a new Pikmin title is coming, but it's a side-scroller. Kind of similar in that Olimar is using uh, Pikmin to throw them and climb levels and stuff like that. But it looks, uh, to me, very linear and maybe like a, I don't even know what I want to call it, um, Lemmings or something more than the exploration that Pikmin games have. And then lastly, they announced new Zelda Amiibo coming later this year. There's an 8-bit Link, Ocarina of Time Link, Wind Waker Link, and uh, Wind Waker 
Zelda, which I think those are cool. But I think your point, Chris, that I want to circle back to is this idea of Nintendo releasing Wii U software now for the 3DS, really, is what these other things are. And my question to you, is the NX coming later than March? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think we'll, we'll even see it until Q3 of next year. Wow. So this is this is get stuff out, placate people, give them something to play because the NX is for... It's going to be a while. Yeah, right. I feel like the NX was right around the corner. Mario Maker comes out on that, right? Like, how are they going to release Mario Maker December 2nd on 3DS and then launch a whole new system also with Mario Maker March 17th or whatever? Yeah, and I, I mean, even so, like, this is their top-loading the 3DS or push during the Christmas, you know, time, right? Like, let's let's put as much stuff on the 3DS as we can this year. Um, and then, because this is essentially, to me, it's almost like the last flash for the 3DS. Yeah, yeah. Right? I, the thing that has me worried the most is that February 3rd, Yoshi's Woolly World, like, that's coming out a month before, you know, the NX is rumored to come out. To me, that kind of implies mm-hmm. the NX is a little further out. Otherwise, sit on this and you know even if it is shovelware or portware like just launch that on the nx have the nx launch with all of this stuff and just be like go eat dudes <laughs> you know like welcome to the buffet we got everything so I'm, I'm yeah concerned. i would I, I honestly would be surprised if if um the nx launched before you know holiday next year wow okay okay what about uh scorpio and neo when do you now that i have you in prediction mode when do you think those things are dropping <laughs> Um, that's a good question. I think, um, you know, Scorpio Neo, they're, they're going to be the big E3 talk next year. We'll see one of them by holiday, but not the other one. Okay. So you don't think that on the seventh, like this is right now we are doing this show very close to being able to be proven wrong here on the seventh when Sony has their press conference. Um, <laughs> uh, so you don't think Neo is coming in March. You don't think it's a PS4 slim is out now, essentially, right? Like the seventh, right. like available now. And the Neo is coming March? Next year. Uh, like next year, Q4 next year. Holiday. Okay. I don't understand. I mean, it, it, their fiscal year ends in July, right? But um, in my opinion, they need more time to roll out their, their launch titles and uh, those type of things. Okay. All right. Well, I'm not going to argue with the guy that understands that kind of stuff. But this is a perfect segue. There's other news that we will hit on that I will circle back to. But... I think this is a great time and, and, and segue into it with rolling out launches and stuff like that. So when you're talking off off air, you had mentioned that you rolled out these products and it went well, question mark. Um, it actually did, man. It went it went it's the best so you know, prior to creating Tour Monster and um I want to start in advance by asking for forgiveness from the audience that like does not care one little bit about, you know, my startup world or whatever. No, but so, this gets to games. Trust me. You, uh, yeah, you tease yeah, me with definitely. this. This is good. This is good conversation. Um, the flip of that though, is like, I've heard from you listeners that have heard me on here before that like now use my app. And, and even during this rollout, we're talking to us. So, so thank you for all the feedback and, and please continue to do that. All that said, uh, um, apps. Before we ever got to Chore Monster, I've been, you know, doing app development since 2007, 2008. And um, this particular launch, the, the family tech launch, was the best launch that I've ever experienced um, from a standpoint of we had set a deadline five months ago um, and hit that deadline, which never happens in software development. Um, 
we uh, launched essentially three new apps across three different platforms, um, you know, Kindle, uh, Google Play, and, and iOS. So that's, you know, anywhere from, depending on how you slice it, nine to 12 new apps in, in one day, right? Um, we had spent a lot of time in beta uh, and then had got the, the apps to a place where we felt comfortable and we knew we couldn't test any further without releasing them to general audience. So we released the apps on Monday. Um, Amazon went off, or Amazon, uh, Android, the Android versions of the new apps went off without a hitch. Um, iOS, we ran into some bugs that we just didn't foresee or, uh, you know, realize that, that uh, it affected old users. So it affect, it, it affect, mostly affected people that had been on the app on Chormonster for, you know, a year plus, right? Old, so these are... Was it tied to old devices or just old... Lo- is this like not taking into account the Apple infrastructure where like everything has to run on iOS 1 still? You know, like when do they phase yeah. out old tech? Yeah, it was a little bit of that. I mean, it was it definitely was old tech from our own standpoint, right? Like our own infrastructure now is five years old that we're, that we're building off of. And we're slowly... What are you, Bethesda um, or something? Yeah, no kidding well the thing is important to mention that we're a small team you know there's only 10 of us and really there's only four engineers um uh building this stuff right and so you have to prioritize what you can get done um long story short you know we had some we had some old infrastructure issues that we didn't even know about because they were so old um that we had to go in and fix not a big deal except when you have you know i mean we've got millions of users using our products now which is for me a, still a very bizarre feeling <laughs> and a bizarre thing yeah. in general um but uh so we get a just wave of feedback and we take all that into consideration and so what happens is we you know sat down in our offices we slept in our offices for a week straight um you know pulled a, essentially a 120 hour week all of the engineers, everybody stressing, everybody working. We, end, we ended up doing three new releases um, during that week, which is unheard of in iOS standards. Um, and uh, and finally, we're at, the app that's in, in the marketplace today is 98.6% stable, which is is pretty, like, that's a, an extremely low crash rate. So we're really proud of that. Um, but, you know, the, my point, I, as we were, I was going through this process and I was thinking about, no Man's Sky in particular, which I had just asked for a refund for oh. uh, just prior to that. Wow, okay. Um, and forgive me, I, 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 haven't, uh, I haven't been listening much lately because I've been so busy working, but my understanding is you're on the other side of that fence. Yeah, uh, I thought you would be too now having, I mean, you are literally Hello Games, 14-person team, yes. um, over-promising, under-delivering. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's my point though, man. It's like, you know, we, I, I was just realizing like we... Uh, the whole time that we were going to fix it, like we always want to put out the best product possible. And there's just every now and then there's stuff that you can't foresee that you're just hustling to fix. And, you know, we get these nasty, nasty emails um, about uh, how something's not something free, by the way, isn't working the way that people want it to work. And you just want to be like, dude, we know we're working on it. Like, like we're doing everything we possibly can to fix it. Uh, Like, go ahead. No, yeah, where does that so I understand that, right? I think in a to nutshell it, it's like, hey, you tried your best to make the best thing you possibly could make, unforeseen things, circumstances happening, uh, even too long didn't read that. Um, development's hard. Software development's hard. Um right. but how how do you gel that with um Marvel Ultimate Alliance remaster? That is, you know, was a crap port a game I love, but a crap port 
kind of just made to cash in and they didn't care. Or, you know, I'm trying to think of other examples of games that were like, I want to give someone the benefit of the doubt, but at the end of the day, it's like, no, like um, Tony Hawk five, right? Like, I'm not saying those people were trying to make a bad game, but I think that they were probably working hard within the time constraints that Activision gave them. But at somewhere, at some level, someone was like, this is fine. Like, we don't care. You know, we're just making this thing to make it. I think those are two different things, though. I I think saying this is fine and saying we don't care are two different. I especially with you know games like Tony Hawk Five, like the publishers create a budget that you have to come in. It it all comes back to money, unfortunately, right? Like like you create the thing within the, the capital constraints that you have, and I do think that the engineers that worked on Tony Hawk Five, the game designers that worked on Tony Hawk Five, tried to make the best version of the game they could with with the resources they were given. You know what I mean? And and at the end of the day, the publishers looking at that product saying making money decisions of well, if if we put X amount of dollars in it into it, we can get Y out of it. But if we go higher than that, the return's not going to be there. And so even even those publishers, those evil publishers that that are are putting these budget budget constraints on these games still have to make decisions to to you know sort of decide whether or not they're they're going to release this thing or lose everything like what we don't know what happened internally with those games right like you can get halfway through development realize it's going to cost four times more and then you as as a publisher have to make a decision of am i going to put this out or 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 lose everything right like i have the opportunity of recouping some of that capital yeah well i also think and I, i would just speak to personally and hopefully this analogy works where um, I've written on projects before and I don't need to say what they are. Not the one you're thinking of. It's not the one you're thinking of where, um, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, I knew what my job was, but I also knew, um, how cool I thought or, or what, and it's just like, you know what, this is good enough. Like they, they're making crap. They hired me to make crap. It's going to be crap. Like I, I tried initially with some better ideas or something and it's like, just do the thing do the thing, right? Like, this is the thing we make. This is our target audience. Just do the thing. And I sat down and cranked out, you know, the the required work for the thing. And then I asked them to, I asked if I could be uncredited. (laughs) Cause it's like, uh, you know, so I knew, I knew I was making crap, but I was making the crap they asked for. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like, at that point you are kind of, you know, uh, uh, employee for hire or, yeah. or whatever you want to call it, right? I think the goal of leadership in in these development studios is to make everyone have ownership of, of whatever they're doing. And the best way you can do that as a leader is to just let people work, right? Um, and, and hire good people and trust that they're going to make the right choices. Um, long story short, I, I just, I really think that, that anyone that sets out to make something, um, really wants to make the best thing they possibly can. And, and sometimes it doesn't work out that way, but I feel like gamers in particular, and I'm putting myself in this boat, like this versus them. Like I am definitely this way too. Um, if we could just have a little bit of empathy for the people that, that make the games, like when we're responding to customer service, when we're doing anything, just a little bit of empathy and taking care of each other can go a really long way in making our world a much better place. Well, that is something I 100% agree with. I think it's easy to fall into the internet outrage and you lose, you know, 
the the vision that these are people sacrificing you know time with their families or whatever their right. hobbies to make this thing um but this ties into two other news stories we can hit on quickly one the uncharted movie is in development hell again um it's been delayed sony had come out and gave it a june 30th 2017 release date um it is now completely removed <laughs> from their release calendar like it there is no date at all and similarly, Gran Turismo Sport has been delayed until next year. Surprise! Um, <laughs> a Gran Turismo game has been delayed, but they have said, um, as we approach our planned release date in November, we realize we need more time to perfect Gran Turismo Sport, which we've already dedicated so much effort towards since announcing the title. Uh, that So that you're okay with that, right? Like, you understand that? That's fine. You get it. Let's make the well. Thing. Yeah, well, with Uncharted, I mean, I, I do realize that the reason they did that is that they knew Jeff was having a baby soon, and they wanted <laughs> to give him more time before they asked him to come on board and and uh, take over Nathan Drake. Um, <clears throat> you, you know, it, it is what it is. I, I, I would rather have something be delayed than either not come out at all or, or be garbage, right? Um, typically, when something's delayed, they, they're... The only thing I think of is the Warcraft movie, which I think was delayed for all the wrong reasons. But sure. um, I think, uh, you know, anytime, anytime anything's delayed, I'd rather wait to see something better or a full version um, or or what have you than uh, or see, you know, wait to see the, the actual vision that they intended um, as opposed to getting something now that is only half of what was promised. Yeah. No, I, I make sense. I like you're coming at... Uh, I want you to keep this attitude all year. I like this attitude. I like uh, recently launched, overworked, um, compassionate Chris Bergman. Not that you're not that person always, but I like I, this is an important person for other people to hear. <laughs> this is I am beat down right now, straight up. I am beat down. My families are beat down. Everybody, you know, everyone, everybody's families on the teams are, are, are beat down. We're all we're in recovery mode. I mean, I, don't, I mean, I'm. It was so weird. Everybody got super sick right after launch, um, and it was like we were just holding it off. Our bodies were holding it off until we could get this this baby out as as much as possible, and now we all all got hit with it at the same time. It's just funny how that stuff works. Yeah, I, and I saw. Uh, there's any other of these news stories you want to hit? I saw you added this uh, Overwatch season two start early. Do you want to chat on that for a little bit? Yeah, um, big Overwatch fan. Uh, season two's here. Uh, it actually came out five days earlier than um, they had expected. So like Blizzard, yeah, because some companies can terrible. do it, Chris. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Blizzard makes everybody look terrible because they, you know, I mean, granted, they have, I think, 1,300 people on their teams. Uh, but, uh, you know, they, they always tend to put stuff out earlier than expected. And well, too, when they, get to, when they get into crunch, Reaper just comes in and he just goes, die, die, die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, season two is out. Um, the rankings are uh, spread over a large scale of, of to 5,000, which I think is a brilliant move. Um, side note, if, you, if, if anyone on here is a creator and they want to learn how to respond to people, um, you should uh, follow Jeff Kaplan on Twitter because I think he's one of the most brilliant people when it comes to, to speaking to an audience. He's always been incredibly open with his audience authentically and is also very careful not to make any real promises. Um, uh, so I just, as a side note, I admire Jeff Kaplan and the, the way that he handles his audience. It's amazing. Um, but uh, rankings 5,000, a lot of that had to do with the fact that, you know, zero to 100, you, um, if you're a competitive player you and you're at 50-ish or 40-ish, um, you feel like you're not doing well, right? And, and that stems from what was cool is they figured out that it stems from um, sort of our, especially in the U.S., our grading scale, um, where if you 
do less than 70%, you're, you're below average, right? Um, in, you know, A, B, C, D, uh, mm-hmm, F mm-hmm. sort of grade scale. And so they realized that that correlated with, with the ranking systems that happened on Overwatch. Um, me personally, I'm ranked 45, which like, if, if I told somebody that I'd, they'd be like, bro, you're terrible. Um, but, uh, the reality is, is like, that's, that's average. So going to, to a scale of 5,000 makes it, um, less or more abstract, allowing for players to feel just comfortable with with where their sun death is gone which is also wonderful um there's a time-baked system that will reward teams beyond forcing a tiebreaker match um and then uh the other thing is they're they're pulling the band hammers down a little bit uh levers will have to wait 10 minutes before requeue um and they're also looking into long-term bands and sort of like uh if you do this over seven percent you're going to be out for for the next season and and that type of stuff which i think is awesome yeah, I think a lot of the stuff is smart. I totally agree that the, you know, rankings going to five thousand. I mean, I think if they could do, you know, seven hundred twenty thousand, it's like you feel good when you get when you tick up, and the, the bigger the spread is, I think the more ticking you can do. I, obviously, they want you to kind of fall into your thing, but yeah, it's this idea of, um, I don't know, I don't know what this is. This is where I am, whatever it is. Like when I, you know, I used to run in college, and for me now, like if I were to join a road racing team local or something like that i would have metrics of what i used to be able to do and i'd be like oh this isn't good i'm not what i am anymore like but now the workout that i do i have no you know the trainer i'm working like i don't know what how many uh, whatever like clings i can do i don't know it's just like is this heavy or is this light i'm getting a workout great and i love the idea of getting rid of expectations and standards and things and just letting you experience them versus like you said, yeah, oh, I, I'm, I'm failing. I have a D. I have a C in this. Instead of being, no, I, millions and millions and millions of people are playing this game, and I'm in the middle. That's awesome, right? Like, breaking those expectations, I think, is, is really hard to do, and it's cool to see Blizzard trying to tackle that from, I think, a creative way. And then, uh, I don't, I, I kind of like Sudden Death. I'm curious why you're so happy that it's gone. I thought it was intense, it's still intense. So the way that they're doing it now is this time system, right? Where like, if the team, if the first team's able to do it in, you know, uh, 30 seconds or whatever, the second team has to be able to accomplish it in the same amount of time. So they're adding a a new level of stress during those tiebreaker matches. Right. Um, without getting rid of the, like the sudden death. So each team has five minutes. You do it over as many rounds as possible. And, um, and the team with the most rounds wins, which I think is smart. Yeah, I could see this being retooled. I, I, I like that, again, that they're trying something new. But I think to some extent that's like, you know, now that football's back or coming back, like if you have an awesome spread offense, you can score in one play, um, you know, just airing the ball out, but does that mean that you deserve to win versus the team that uh, has an awesome running back and just pounds the ball in the hole and takes up 10 minutes of the clock and then scores? I, I don't think the team that just does it quickly is necessarily better. You could have a team that is, is loaded with talent, but their strategy is slow and steady and they go in, they just annihilate and then hold this thing down versus another team, you know, zips in there and is able to do it i i don't know if faster is better in overwatch well i think we'll see right like that's what's great about competitive gameplay is um you know the meta sort of comes up over time and um, tiebreaker matches we'll find out what the best strategy is and uh blizzard will adjust again what's great is like 
you know, it's only season two. They're already making like right. huge iterations to, from season one. So like at minimum, we can trust Blizzard, Blizzard to keep working towards the best version of competitive play for Overwatch in particular, which I think is really good. Yeah, for sure. A couple of quick things to hit on before we move on to the playlist. Respawn has confirmed that Titanfall 2 won't be part of EA slash Origin Access, which means you PC and Xbox One players won't get early access to try it out for free, and they also will not get discounts um, when it launches, which previously it was listed as <laughs> you could get a discount uh, through EA Access. Now you cannot. I think that uh, is unfortunate. And um, what was the other one? There was another one. Oh, yeah, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare's multiplayer beta will be a pre-order bonus. <laughs> That's not surprising. That's not a beta. That's a demo. Stop it. <laughs> PlayStation 4 users get it first. Uh, no confirmation how long it will last, but they can get in October 14th with an Xbox One beta coming later. There's no beta for PC. Um, that's not a beta. <laughs> uh we are going to move on to the playlist but before we do we need to thank one of our sponsors squarespace it's squarespace jeff has used squarespace for years in fact jeffcanada.com is hosted and he's happy to talk about it because he loves it and he uses it and he spends his own money on it uh department of parenting my parenting podcast also uses squarespace to host its website departmentofparenting.com a podcast that Chris Bergman has been on uh, once, twice, a couple times. I don't know. Uh, it's all about parenting. It is hosted on Squarespace. It's great, reliable. It's there. You can find all the episodes. You can find all the information on jeffcanada.com for what he's doing. Maybe we'll get some pictures of baby Kylo posted there uh, when he comes into the world kicking and screaming. Uh, with Squarespace, sites look professionally designed regardless of your skill level. You don't need coding or anything like that. It's intuitive, easy to use. And if you sign up for a year... You get a free domain. So start your trial site today at squarespace.com. You don't need to give them a credit card or anything like that. You can get in, design your site, make it look as pretty or as unpretty. If you want to go for that intentional like retro Mortal Kombat 2 theme kind of thing, you can do all that. Design it. You don't have to pay anything. If you want to take it live, throw in your credit card to get a free domain. If you sign it for a year and if you enter promo code Jeff sent me all one word when you go to squarespace.com slash dlc you will get 10 percent off your first purchase and you will show support for this show squarespace you can do it do it you can do it squarespace All right, diving into the playlist. Uh, if you were listening live, you know that we had a practice run of the playlist, and uh, I didn't record it. <laughs> you should always join us live. It is always live on twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer, and it only it only exists there live. Then I delete it, and you got to find the RSS at 5x5.tv slash DLC, which I don't know why I said it, because if you're listening to it, that's uh, where you found it. But, Chris Bergman, you have been spending time with wow you had a very awesome funny moment where you said you hadn't quit paying for wow and i laughed really hard and you know i I don't want to try to recreate that i don't want to force you to say it and me to force a laugh but it happened and it was gone and you were explaining why you think this is the best wow expansion ever and i want to get all of that content here into the episode so please repeat yourself i'm sorry i didn't record it the first time (laughs) (laughs) that's quite all right man um yeah, yeah, I really do think I think uh Legion is the possibly the best expansion that uh Blizzard has ever released for World of Warcraft. Um you know, I was I was talking about 
uh, prior that uh, Wrath of the Lich King is traditionally considered the the best expansion thus far. Um, you know, Mists was kind of disappointing. Oh, Cataclysm was just was. So a lot of people didn't like Cataclysm. I personally loved uh, going back into the old world and seeing the way that they changed it. Um, that was Mists, its hook, right? Like if you weren't into yeah, that, yeah. you weren't going to dig it. But if you were into that, it was like, oh, you think you remember Vanilla WoW or whatever, like this world, but right. it's awful now, or not awful, but you know, war has been ravaged. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, it was really, it was a really cool concept, honestly. And I think they, um, and then Mists was, you know, uh, Panda World. Um, which some people really dug. To me, it, it just really felt out of place in uh, Azeroth. Like, um, Azeroth, sorry. Um, like, it, it just didn't feel... It, it wasn't around characters that, that I had cared about, um, you know, since Warcraft 3 or, or whatever. And um, and then Warlords uh, was interesting, but uh, just really brown and very time travel and and um, uh, the content wasn't really there. The way that we have short Legion is... Um, in my opinion, Warcraft back in better form than ever before. Um, I feel like they took the past 12 years of bloat that sort of happened with the game and uh, slimmed it down considerably. They, they created um, a really fun game in a moment-by-moment sense once again, right? Like um, uh, slimming down talents, slimming down abilities for each individual class, um, giving every character's rotation sort of just like a clean approach um and bringing fantasy back in the game you know one of the things that uh i love about works um the narrative the the you know the the fantasy of it uh specifically and things like class halls um where you go to a particular instead of you know last last expansion we had the garrison which felt really lonely here you go to a hall with everyone of your same class so my i main a druid and um and the second that I went into the dreamscape and and uh, went to my the druid class halls, um, I instantly went and uh, changed all my gear, transmogged my gear to look more druid like, because it just felt like this place where this character that I've been living with for the past twelve years um, got to be the class that I had picked him out, you know, back in two thousand four. Um, and they really, I think they're, they've, they've doubled down on the fantasy of the game and, and made it more fun, um, than it's been in a very, uh, a very long time. That's awesome. Do you think it's, uh, I feel like every expansion, this is a question that, you know, comes up and people that maybe have played vanilla, but that is 12 years ago, or I think even more interestingly, like a lot of people started playing this game when they were 12, 13, 14. It's been that long since the game came out. You know, if you are the parent of a, a 14 year old or if you are a younger kid listening to this, is this something where you say jump in, like get into wow, this is this is a great place to do it? Or is it still you kind of miss the boat? Some other game will come along. Don't worry about it. Well, I don't think there's a way to jump in and and feel like oh this is a fresh experience like this you know this was made just for me i have no experience in wow ever before and like this is just going to go smooth and simple um it it's still an uh, extremely overwhelming game that said it's worth the learning curve uh especially if you've never played before um you know it's it's funny man like i go and i speak um i i have the a big sort of uh, soapbox for la- lack of a better way to put it about uh, on unlimited screen time. Right. And um, my four-year-olds kind of hit this place where, where he's playing a ton of video games. And it makes me really happy. And um, yeah, you had a piece in the, in the fancy pants, New York times talking about that. I'm sure you probably got I some did. blowback from it too. <laughs> yeah. Plenty. Um, you know, and one of my big points is a game like, wow. Right. Like I've made so many friends um, 
do to WoW, both meeting them in-game and then meeting people in person and having this little secret community that we live in um, where we're able to talk about Azeroth. Like, even just just two weeks ago, I was, um, we're doing a, I was working a big client deal, right, um, and and selling this guy on on uh, one of our campaigns, and you know we're talking for a little while, and he had lived in LA, and so we talked about LA for a little bit, and so we ended up talking about WoW, and uh, <laughs> sure enough, he's you know I mean he's he took off this whole week, he's level one ten already, and and uh, and you know now we're we're good friends. Um, I just think there and there's for me personally, there's no other game that can do that the way that the World of Warcraft can. You know, I took you to BlizzCon last year, right? And just seeing all the other humans there, real life um, social interactivity happening. I mean, I, you know, I, I tend to have a, a small background in finance at this point, and a lot of that came from um, a lot of them to buy and sell high low on on the auction house. <laughs> you know? I just, I, I, I don't, I think there's. I can't think of another game that has can impact normal life uh, so directly and so often. And so my, my response to, you know, is this a, a place where I can jump on and start it is no, absolutely not. It's going to be incredibly hard, but like, that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it anyway. Um, that's what YouTube videos are for. Just, you know, every time you don't understand something, go, go Google it and it, it'll make sense. <laughs> yeah. G wizard in the chat says one to 100 is still fun. I think it's the most accessible MMO. It starts slowly at the beginning. I mean, I think that's a, that's a good point. While any MMO is often, I think, um, difficult to understand. It's not, it's not call of duty, right? It's not press X to mourn, um, run here, shoot here. It's not, um, uncharted, uh, where you feel like you're exploring a place, but you really only have one way to go. Like there's a lot of stuff you can do and you are, you have agency over your player and, and you know, how you want to, level them up and how you want to tackle things but that doesn't mean it's not worth playing and it doesn't mean that just because wow is the granddaddy of them all that it's somehow more complicated it just means that there's more content if it sinks its hooks into you there's more you can do and you can be playing this you know for 12 years right (laughs) which is which is pretty incredible Absolutely. And um, I mean, the other thing is like games like Call of Duty, you know, I'm an old man at this point. I'm a dad. And uh, games like Call of Duty or even Titanfall or Overwatch to some extent, you know, I've been in Overwatch since the friends and family alpha. And uh, um, when when that game, like it it was completely ruined for me because I just can't keep up, you know, with with, uh, the Twitch of players. But with WoW, man, like that just doesn't exist. That's what's great about it, right? Like there is some PvP, but it doesn't require a ton of um, Twitch. And then on top of that, like it's such a social game and such a, even today, so it's such an inviting audience that lives inside that game um, that, yeah, I, I, if you've never, if you're a video gamer, and especially if you like RPGs and you've never experienced WoW, like I would highly recommend just doing level, you know, one bit out of your system and, and experience one of the best games that's, that's ever existed. Um, you know, and uh Yeah. So not singing general praises of WoW, because, um, you know, maybe you'll convert someone, maybe you won't, and not spoiling the narrative. I'm going to lean on you as, you know, I, I am um, WoW aware. I was WoW adjacent most of my life. I have played very, very little WoW. But what is this expansion? Again, not, not spoilers if there are story mm-hmm. spoilers, but what is this bringing to the table? Um, kind of maybe the, you know, the flyover summary for someone that is uh, WoW knowledgeable, but uh, maybe he doesn't yep. know all of the, the nitty-gritty about what this is bringing. Well, the Burning Legion is back um, and better than ever. Um, so that you're, you're spending the whole expansion fighting demons, which, um, you know, Illidan is back. 
uh, he uh, he was the big bad from the Burning Crusade. Um, he's back, and he's created an army of uh, demon hunters in Illidari. So in this expansion, you as a player can be a demon hunter for the first time in World of Warcraft. With class um, plays, uh, you know, DPS mostly. I think you can actually be a, a, a tank as well. Um, plays very fast. Plays very fluid. Um, you know, it's it's sort of um, monk on steroids, if if you understand that at all um yeah and it's 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 a ton of fun um not only that but you know in every expansion prior you had a um you know whether you're leveling 90 to 100 or 60 to 70 you had a very clear sort of linear path um for questing to get you to the end game content here you have five four zones um, the fifth one you kind of do at the end, but uh, four zones, you can kind of pick any zone that you want to start at and experience the individual zone narrative um, at your own pace and at your own leisure. Um, and the, they're able to do that because it has dynamic scaling. So if you're, you know, level 102, no matter where you are, you're fighting characters that are level 102, which That's is uh, so key, right? Yeah, huge, huge. So, I mean, I'm, you know, I can play with my buddies who who zoom past me. And, you know, didn't have a product launch last week. Um, uh, I can play with them. <laughs> They're 110, I'm 102, and, and we can both fight the same the same bad guys and have a ton of fun together. Um, and then G-Wizard again in the chat is bringing up the artifact weapons. I know Jeff, I was tweeting at him last week as he was playing that. And, you know, I, I was like, how's the game? Like, sincerely, what is it like? And he's like, can't can't answer, you know, busy hunting artifacts or whatever. So <laughs> what, what are artifact weapons? And, and then this is something that you're grinding out to get? Or is it just a, a new type, a weapon type that you get that makes you bigger, better, more badass? Yeah, yeah so the artifact weapons are... Um, that uh, is specific to your class um, and your, uh, forgive me, while players, I can't think of the word, but your alignment in that class. So if you're a feral druid or a resto druid or, you know, what have you. Um, And you, that you start the game, the new expansion, um, on a quest line to go retrieve your artifact weapon. Um, And that weapon levels with you the entire expansion. You can actually get all three of the artifact uh, weapons related to your class in case you want to, um, you know, switch, uh, expertises or what have you, in case, uh, that words in case you're going to do it because you're addicted to this game. So we're going to let you, of course, <laughs> we're going to let you do the thing that you want to do because of course you want to do it because these things are awesome. Yep. And so that artifact weapon levels with you the entire expansion and, and, uh, you get to modify it over time. And, um, they also look really cool. Um, like the Ashbringers one uh, for Paladins, which is, you know, that's a named weapon that's been in the game for since the very beginning, since Warcraft 3, I think, even. Um, and uh, and it, it's, just, it's just additional content. It feels like a thing you have to go do. It's just a part of the expansion and, and is, is fun, right? It's not... Um, Grinding is not the right word. I don't think there's there's much grinding at all in this game, to be honest. Um, getting to level 110, which is endgame, is pretty easy to do. Um, uh, it's pretty um, straightforward, it, it, and, and you can just sort of let the content come to you, and by the time you look up, you'll, you'll be ready for endgame, endgame stuff. I, I like by the time you look up, I think is the, <laughs> the key phrase, <laughs> the key phrase there. That's great. And then my last question before I kind of hit on what I've been playing um, and anything else wow related, I certainly want to cover it. I know Jeff, we have bonus content from Jeff that is all wow related as well. So you can look for that at the end of the episode. Jeff, uh, while at the hospital with his wife, uh, he loves this show, you guys. And I'm, I know he's bummed. He's missing this week's show. I, I, 
it's my fault. I was like, don't do it. Stop it. Like, stop it. Don't you're having a kid. Don't do this. Um, but he brought his laptop and a nice mic and he went and sat in a bathroom. <laughs> and I think it's like a 15, 20 minute, you know, review thoughts about, uh, <laughs> about wow. So you can look for that at the end of the episode. You can call Jeff, whatever you want, but dedicated, uh, to his craft. You cannot say he is not that. That's a lot of double negatives. Um, how was the launch for someone that now empathizes with uh, how difficult it is to <laughs> launch things? Wow, as great as the game is and as, as well-loved as it is, I feel like every couple of years this is when the pitchforks come out because even Blizzard hasn't been able to manage to pull off successful launches. Granted, probably some of the biggest concurrent launches, you know, uh, users diving into a thing, but they've been kind of brutal, right? Um, yeah, in the past they've been they've been really bad. I mean, as far as not being able to log on at launch, not logging on, you know, a couple of days later, that type of thing. Um, this one has gone really smoothly. There ha- have been some some DDoS attacks that hit Blizzard, which seems to be like a more common thing for them in particular than than it's been in the past, which is unfortunate. Um, but there there were some DDoS attacks. A few times that, that I'd, I'd get kicked off, but um, on the whole, very few issues. Um, the smoothest launch that they've had. Um, it it, uh, it it's just been great, man. I mean, the server stability has been incredible. Um, you know, it everything fired up right away. Uh, you know, it's nice to be able to sort of um, download everything in the background prior to launch, and then you know, three three a.m. Eastern Standard, um, feeling free to uh, being able to fire it up and and jump right in. Yeah, whoever thought of this idea of preloading better be a multimillionaire because that person single-handedly <laughs> saved pre-orders in the digital age. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no doubt. Not only that, but like with, with WoW in particular, they did a great job of creating content leading up to the launch that yeah. was new content um, that kind of sucked everybody back in prior prior to launch. And uh, so you by the time the game hit, um, they already... I mean, my my guess would be they they were at least up by thirty forty percent user base than they had been, and um, yeah, it was it was super stable, man. I mean, it's I can't imagine the amount of effort that goes into that, and uh, they're just they really are best in class when it comes to game developers. Yeah, they really are. Um, I spent time this past week diving into the I last whatever it was, however many weeks ago, it was Titanfall two beta. Now the Battlefield one open beta has hit. It is two when I played it, maybe they've expanded it. Two game types, traditional battlefield and traditional battlefield. <laughs> uh it's all out war and then hold the point, whatever they're calling hold the point this time. I have uh, a stream of it on my Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. Also archived at my YouTube, which is Christian Spicer 713. And uh, guys, if you want to see someone playing a video game they're having no fun playing, watch that stream. I <laughs> I am not the biggest Battlefield guy. I think I say in the stream the last one I really played was 1942. I, I misspoke. 1943 was the last one I really spent some time with, which was the... You know, back to our roots, 1942-esque, but downloadable only, Xbox 360, PlayStation 3, I think PC 2 version of the game. And then I spent some time, you know, with Bad Company, but that's not real Battlefield. And I played a little Battlefield 3, and I dipped my toe into 4. Battlefront, I've been digging, Star Wars, of course. In this game, Battlefield 1, in the beta... One, this beta for me when I was playing it, which was a couple of days after it went full release wide, I wanted to give it time for hopefully things to stabilize. 
things still felt slow. Like menus were like molasses where I would want to change my, my character class or something like that or respec and I would hit start and there would be maybe a three second hang before anything happened. And I was just like, what is, so that was frustrating. The gameplay itself um, feels very battlefield. I know it's world war one, but it's like there are tank like things. There are cars, there are airplanes that look like biplanes, but they're not, they're not flying like biplanes. Like, you, you know, you're dive bombing, you're zooming around, you're, it feels like an airplane, right? Um, you've got machine guns. Uh, maybe the difference is there's, I, it feels like bullet drop is a little more significant in this. I don't have any facts for that, but I had a sniper rifle and I was trying to hit people that I'm sure I should have been able to hit. And part of this is me not being good at a game. That's fine. I am not an elite first person shooter player, but like I have these shots lined up and it's not connecting with them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that was server problems, but um, the the game it just coming off of overwatch or Titanfall two, and even Battlefront, which is, you know, similar. This game, Battlefield 1, felt so slow. And in all-out war, and these checkpoints you're trying to get, they felt so spread out. And I know it's this 64-player chaos, but, like, if I wasn't in a vehicle, I felt like I was playing No Man's Sky before I had my ship. Like, walking 20 minutes to get to something across just boring desert. I was very disappointed with this beta and and like playing it reassured for me that I am not going to be buying this game for its multiplayer. I hope the single player story is awesome. I think if you're a big battlefield fan, you're going to get, you know, more of that battlefield that you know and love. But for people that were thinking this world war one atmosphere will reinvigorate the franchise in some cool way and be a good jumping in point for you. I personally would say, wait, or rent it. Did you spend any time with Battlefield 1, Chris? Um, no, I haven't had a chance to. I mean, Azeroth has taken energy. Um, but yeah. uh, G-Wizard wanted to know if you had ridden any horse- horses. Yeah, I jumped on a horse, and that's, I guess that's cool. You're on a horse, and you have a sword. But, like, neat? I mean, there's a tank. So, who cares? I don't know. Like, yeah. <clears throat> when I saw the announcement, I thought that the art direction was really interesting and a, and a cool take. It kind of reminded me of like the Elseworlds comics that used to come out for DC. Yeah. Um, like, do, do you find that, you know, that doesn't uh, impact the gameplay enough to keep you sort of. Uh, um, in- Did I lose you? Yeah. Well, you faded out a little bit. I'm here. Can you hear okay. me? Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> Did yeah, that- no, not enough. Um, it, it feels like Battlefront, but it feels like a slower Battlefront. And people on the chat are saying, you know, the slower weapons take some time to get used to it. And, and again, this is, these are my impressions. Like, I have, I guess, grown accustomed to the faster movement of Overwatch or Titanfall or, you know, even Call of Duty. And, and this game and maybe the maps they had released are just, it's like just big desert. And I was just like... Uh, I mean, it looks great. It looks fine. Uh, I was playing on Xbox One, but it... I, yeah, watch the streams, I guess, if you want more, but you can see my skill level, which isn't the best, but I just was not, I was not having fun with the game. The thing that I, the bit of news around Battlefield 1 that I found bizarre um, that recently happened was they discovered that the weather is actually client side. So you can have a dude that's going like in the middle of a storm, you know, in the same game with somebody that has a clear day. Which oh, to me weird. Is, yeah, super weird, right? Like, so it, it creates um, a competitive advantage you know, weather turned off. Yeah, weird. Well, SE underscore boss four says I've really been enjoying the Battlefield 
beta, really liked the vehicles, and I thought the weapons were okay. So that's great. Hopefully people are enjoying it. Just my personal thoughts on it, I'm not having fun. I don't want to belabor a game that is in beta that I don't like. There's, you know, certainly there's too many other games to, uh, to talk about that are <laughs> that are fun. Um, one of those I've been playing in VR. We'll be getting to that in just a second in VR talk. But first, I need to thank our second sponsor, Mac Weldon. They provide basics, you know, great hoodies, shirts, underwear. They sent uh, me some stuff to check out. I got an awesome hoodie and some underwear for them and from them. And for me, my test is always whether or not I wear uh, – TMI, guys. Hey, you ready to get sexy during this ad read? Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I do trunks, which is like a short – doesn't matter. I wear trunks. And my, my – uh, <laughs> picture me. and um, <laughs> uh, My test is always if I can work out in them. And if they pass that test, I'm like, hey, these are great underwear. And it worked. I work out on them all the time. They are great. They are comfortable. They are fantastic. I think people often, we don't think about the things that are closest to our bodies when we buy clothes. When we buy junky socks, junky underwear, junky undershirts, or you know, clean, nice white shirts and stuff like that. And Mack Weldon is not that. It is quality, comfortable stuff, uh, smart design, premium fabrics, and it's easy Great website. You can find it. It makes sense. Everything is antimicrobial, which means it eliminates odor. You're comfortable. If you don't like your first pair, you can keep it, and they will still refund you. No questions asked. And, uh, you know, it's good-looking clothes. Take care of yourself. Protect the things that are closest to your body with comfortable clothes close to those things. And, hey, guess what? If you go to MacWeldon.com, you can get 20% off your first purchase using promo code DLC. Doing so also supports the show and lets them know that uh, you're listening. Uh, I really enjoy my Mac Weldon stuff. It is an easy thing for me to recommend. Hopefully, if you go there and check it out, you do too. With that, we're going to dive in to VR Talk. All right, VR Talk. Bergman, you, you mentioned that you don't have any games you've been playing, but you are a VR fan, yes? Yes, sir. Sorry, give me a second. I'm buying some Mac Weldon underoos. Okay, great. I'll let you do that while I'll talk about... Uh, I'll circle back, because you were... Yeah, it doesn't matter. You, you, you brought a dev kit with you on a business trip in a trunk while you were staying out in LA for a while. Uh, I'll circle back to that. The game that I've been playing and loving, loving, is called Damaged Core. It is on the Oculus Rift. It is a Rift exclusive, you know, wink, wink, revive, right? Um, it is made by High Voltage Studios, who you might remember from making the <laughs> conduit. I'm, I can't stop laughing because I'm thinking of their PR for what the conduit was. But it was for the Wii, and some people, th- that game had its fans. I thought it was awful. Not awful. I thought it was very mediocre. But High Voltage, they also have done some port work over the years. But Damaged Core is an Oculus exclusive, and it is incredible. It is a first-person shooter game with a plot and a narrative that, you know, it's maybe forgettable. But you play as code. You are code, and you are able to jump from robot to robot to robot. The basic plot of the game is humanity is under threat. There's this big sentient computer thing or whatever that's, you know, trying to take over and kill the last bastions of humanity and stuff like that. And you need to stop them. So they made this code, and you need to go and attack all these robots. And the way you do it is you warp into... Um, these other robots, these other enemy AI beings, and the way they handle not being able to move in a first-person shooter, which can be disorienting and not room scale, 
is <laughs> at the very beginning they say, now take over this enemy, this enemy robot. And you get in there like, oh, that's unexpected. It's sensing your presence. It's shutting down its locomotion. <laughs> you can still aim and shoot. You just won't be able to walk. And you're like, oh, wink, wink. Well done, high voltage. <laughs> um, but it makes for a really cool experience. So what you're doing is you're jumping from uh, enemy to enemy to enemy. And once you're in them, you cannot move around the map. So in other words, to get a better vantage point, you need to – I just hit my mic. You need to jump into another enemy. So you're constantly popping around the um, – you know, basically the kill rooms, jumping from enemy to enemy, shooting the other enemies, and then as you start to die, your window, your point of view starts to close. So you got to look to find someone else to jump into before that body is dead. You need to restart. It is really, really cool. And the way you aim, it's head to aim, which is so where you look is where you aim. Then it's left trigger, right trigger, first person shooter style. Head to aim, I think, can be frustrating at times, but the way this game handles, you know, you're not moving around the map except for warping in from body to body, it creates this really frenetic experience where you're in there and your head is just swinging around. You know, it's, it's on a swivel. You're looking, you're aiming, you're in the middle of this battlefield and you warp into an enemy that is in the, mi- that is in the thick of it. <laughs> and so you've got like other enemies all around you, but you're trying to take out this big tank and you're looking and then you swing around and look behind you. I think Palmer Lucky recommended that you play standing up. I think you definitely need to be in a swivel office chair type thing. Like you're not playing this on a couch. I think it requires more movement than that. Um, and it really is cool the way you get into these things where one of the levels I played was you're in a you know kind of blown out office building and you're trying to take out these servers. And I was in a guy that had a good amount of health and I'm taking out all the enemies. And I'm like, where's this last server? I can't see this last server, but it was a floor above me behind a pillar so to get up to it i had to not kill an enemy up there so i could take over his body and now i'm in maybe a less uh fortified position because i'm out in the open on the second level where everybody can pop at me but i need to take out this server core and you know can i pull that off before i need to warp into another body and do this thing it is it is phenomenal and again there's streams of it on my twitch and on my youtube and this is the first game for me where i'm like Watching it on the 2D screen doesn't quite convey the VR-iness of it. Like, I think if you played this game not in VR, it'd be very mediocre. The game I'm talking about in the chat, uh, Mr. Latap, is Damaged Core. It is an Oculus exclusive. This is the game where if you're playing it just on a 2D version of it and it's a downloadable game on Xbox One or whatever, you'd be like, this is fine, it's fun, but it doesn't hold your attention but being in VR when you're in this space and you warp into a sniper that's hunkered down in a position on the third floor of an office building and you see like the ledge of the building hanging over you, it's really immersive and really cool. And I think the head aiming makes it feel even more so because you're whipping your head around constantly looking for the next enemy to take over and also, you know, where the next enemy you're going to be attacking is the way the game progresses narratively is often a lot of defend this point um hold this point here comes a wave of enemies but there is a plot you are moving through progressing through this world and my hat is off to high voltage for coming up with a very unique take on the first person shooter in the vr space and uh it's incredible it's 29 bucks too so i think it's about maybe five to six hours um, Chris, you should get this game. 
Sounds like it, man. How long have you sat in um, Oculus playing this game in particular? Was it more than an hour? Or Yes, this game is, is listed as moderate in terms of VR nauseating. Um, like a drift and dirt rally VR made me sick. Um, this game, I think the longest PlayStation I had continuous was an hour and a half, which is just kind of about how long I, uh, I play video games. But because the way they handle you can't move when you're in a body and it's that warp from spot to spot to spot, it is it is mm-hmm. very comfortable in terms of motion sickness. Sounds awesome. Yeah, check it's it out. Called Damaged Core. It's for the Oculus Rift, made by High Voltage Studios. Um, did you get a retail Rift, Chris? Because you were big. You were yes, you sir. were a beta or a whatever it was um, Dev Kickstarter. Kick. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got one um, for free. Have you been spending time with it? The retail. Do you enjoy your time under the hood? Um, I actually have it, man, and and I I think it's just lifestyle more than anything. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's very hard for me. The nice thing about playing games like wow, or, or, you know, no man's sky is I can laptop, I can play it. But like, I've found that, uh, being holed up in a hotel, it's very difficult to play Oculus games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I haven't, I haven't played much. Um, but I, I you know, I, everything that I have played, whether it be Lucky's Tale or, or, you know, Eve Valkyrie has been, uh, interesting and good and, and, um, I'm sort of just kind of waiting patiently for for VR to to find its feet, and it seems like this is a step in the right direction. Yeah, it's just I, I've contemplated. I have some like B-roll footage. I've contemplated maybe I'll do it, like making a vlog type thing. Like, you know, should you get VR? Um, spoiler alert: No, I don't think you should. I really enjoy my time with it, but it is not. It's not mainstream. Like you said, you can't take it with you. It's not easy to set up. You know, my time when I play it too, I find I need to be like. I, I cannot be in any way, shape, or form responsible for the kids. Um, <laughs> I can't be, like, cooking and, and dive right. in and play a little damaged core. Like, I can sit down and play So No Man's Sky while I'm cooking dinner and, you know, like, oh, the lasagna's in the oven for 40 minutes now. I'm going to, you know, explore my planet for a little bit, right? Like, you can't do that with VR. It's like, even if the game is a short play session type thing, it's like... I'm sitting at my computer. I'm putting this thing on that blocks me out from the world. It is pretty much the only time I have my phone not on silent because I need to know if someone needs to like my wife's calling me like, what the heck? The house is burning down. <laughs> um, it definitely requires that I'm going to do this now. But part of me, that's kind of why I like it because I think we all live in this world of, yeah, I'm playing The Division. Yeah, I'm playing Halo 5. This is awesome. Oh, it's loading. Let me check my Twitter. Oh, let me, I have a, you know, house of cards going on my tablet. And like when you're playing VR, no, you're, you're playing VR. <laughs> you have no choice but to be isolated, which is pretty cool. Yeah. There's, there's no multitasking at all. Yeah. Yeah. The only multitasking is maybe running the heads up display to see if you're hitting constant frames. And why does uh, dirt rally VR make me so motion sick? <laughs> <laughs> I'm always just worried. My wife's going to take video of me playing and post it on Facebook. Facebook or something. That's why you need to stream it like I do, so that I'm in charge of posting the video. Like, <laughs> I know I'm going to be doing this. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we are winding things down. We um, uh, do have some bonus content from Mr. Jeff Kanata, who is, I believe, welcoming a child into the world, or maybe the kids in the world. I keep checking his Twitter to see. I'm curious, like, how fast after arrival, um, baby Kylo makes a public appearance. You know what I mean? Um, that's just for me. Uh, but we are... Wait, before I should ask, have you played any board games recently? Um, what, what, I actually just went to Gen Con. I picked up a couple games at Gen Con. 
Um, I want to say Mansions of Madness. Well, hold on. Is the name of it? Jeff will kill me okay. if we don't get the bumper in. So let me get the bumper in so okay. I can edit it in, and then you can, and then you can come in and, and talk about it for a little bit. So we're wrapping things up. We have a little bit to go. Jeff's got some bonus content coming your way as well where he talks about his experience with WoW and all the fun he's been having, I'm sure. But first, we need to carve out a little bit of tabletop time. All right, you said you got you went to Gen Con. It was awesome. You brought the family. Is that right? Do I remember yeah. that right? Yeah, what's great? Gen Con's only like an hour and a half um, from Cincinnati, so it's it's a quick trip for us. Typically, um, I like to go every year. I like to bring the fam, just so the, the boys get to see all um, all the weird cosplayers and fun stuff, and kind of get exposed to that early on. Um, I had a much smaller take this year um, over last year. Last year, I think I ended up buying about twenty five board games at Gen Con. And wow. Over the over the course of that year, I pulled them. So, um, trying to to lower my take this year, I only ended up with about five games. Um, but one of the games that that I was pretty stoked about is a game called Mansions of Madness. Okay. Um, so it's uh, a scenario driven game, um, a, a cult horror sort of based in in that uh, um, um, Arkham horror world. Um, uh, players take on the roles of investigators who explore locations in hopes of solving a mystery. The, there's a keeper. His goal is to fulfill an evil scheme, like using weapons of fear and paranoia and terrifying monsters. Huh. Um, and the investigators um, win or lose as a team. So it's collaborative, you know, sort of asymmetric collaborative game. Um, it's it's really fun. I, like to play, I, I got to demo it at Gen Con and... Um, uh, haven't really been able to play it since, but um, really well made. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, oh, it's a fantasy flight game. So oh, yeah, um, it's gonna, uh, you know. yeah, you know the quality you're getting. <laughs> yeah, bits and chips are great. There's tons of them. Um, fun game. Other than um, some of the other Arkham Horror games, which is is good. It's, it's only about like two hours long, which is fast uh, in my opinion in mm-hmm. board game time. Um, but yeah, yeah, I liked it a lot. That's and that was Mansions of Madness. Mansions of Madness. Cool. Well, uh, we are here, you guys. Uh, Chris Bergman, we do, of course, have our parting gift coming up. And then after that, uh, at the very end of the episode, there is some bonus content from Jeff Kanata, who brought his mic and his laptop to the hospital, to the delivery room, to make sure that he could talk about World of Warcraft for you guys. For you guys. Um, So that's all still coming up. But, uh, dude, Chris Bergman, thank you so much for carving out a little bit of your Labor Day for uh, and chatting with me. This would have been a much lonelier episode without you, so I really appreciate it. Hey, man, my pleasure. Um, and thanks to the audience for being patient with me. I'm no Jeff Kanata, that's for sure. I mean, neither am I. You know, we're head and shoulders better than him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> where can people keep up with you? And if they want to download one of your new apps and tell you it's still broken, where can they, where can they do that? <laughs> it's cold. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Chris Bergman, C-H-R-I-S, uh, B-E-R-G-M-A-N. Um, if you're in the Cincinnati area, uh, feel free to hit me up. You know, we play board games with a couple of DLC listeners. Uh, hi, Brian and Wes. Um, I've made some friends from being on here in the past, so um, feel free to hit me up there. Um, FamilyTech.com. You can find all of our apps available for um, making your or bringing sanity to your family. So um, 
feel free to there. Um, what else? Oh, and I am Kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S-S, um, in the AIE guild on Earthen Ranks. So if you're a fan of Frog Pants or any of those guys, uh, I roll with them in that guild. Nice. Awesome. And uh, as someone, full disclosure, uh, Tour Monster was an early sponsor of the parenting podcast I do, Department of Parenting, and thank you for that. But it is an easy app to recommend. We are entering the age now where um, Estelle has started diving in. So that's fun and exciting for her. That is to, fun and uh, exciting. Yeah. We have a little reward bag that she gets to go into um and like but it's based off of her points for doing it's not chores as much as it is like um uh I don't know what to call them, but it's like, you know, we're going to swim class and hey, part of this is you need to listen to your teacher. <laughs> uh I would just call it uh positive kid manipulation, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that yeah. is true. Yeah, which I'm a fan of. I know different parents have different views on that, and that's fine. But uh, I am a I am a fan. It's easy to recommend, and I love the tie-ins you guys do, which is also fun. It's it's annoying because you guys do a good job of playing on like, hey, you guys like all these IPs. Well, guess what? <laughs> They're here, and I'm like, I like them too. So yeah, <laughs> something for everybody. Yeah, I think we uh, we have a, a tie-in for Storks, the Warner Brothers movie, right now. Oh, nice. Nice. I have a couple of friends who did voice on that film. Um, the easiest way to get in touch with me is on Twitter, which is at Spicer. If you are going to be in San Diego, hey, Chris is going to be there too. I am headlining a show at the Madhouse Comedy Club Tuesday, September 13th. Bergman will be in town for something else, but that's an easy way to come kill both of us. Um, we'll be in San Diego Tuesday. Don't tell people that. Don't but, tell people to come do that. I'm not saying they should. I'm saying it's an easy way to do it. You're not helping. Okay, great. So don't, whatever you do, don't kill us. Um, and uh, I have a parenting podcast called Department of Parenting. You can find it online. People seem to dig it. Uh, and then, you know, go subscribe to my Twitch page, Twitch TV slash Christian Spicer, and uh, sub on YouTube, Christian Spicer. Dot, uh, christianspicer.com <laughs> youtube.com slash christianspicer 713 right now it's a lot of let's plays but i am in pre-production for the next big thing i'm doing uh more akin to the marriage is sketches and stuff like that so that will be coming soon and hopefully a lot more content coming the back half of this year as well um thank you guys everyone in the chat room for hanging out thanks to patrick l sean madigan zero star for all of the awesome bumpers and uh, everybody hanging out at our subreddit. What a great community. You guys are the best. But right now, before we say goodbye and listen to Jeff Kanata gush about wow, it is time for our parting gift. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. Chris Bergman, do you have a recommendation for our listeners for something that is not a video game that might help get them through the week? Yes. Um, so for those that know me, they know, sorry, I just hit the mic. Um, for those that know me, they know I'm a big hip hop head. Yeah. Um, there, there's a, a new album from Isaiah Rashad called the sun's tirade. Uh, go listen to it. It's, it's incredible. Um, free lunch is a great, great tune. And there's, um, there's a track with Kendrick Lamar too. The whole album's great, man. I mean, it's, it's, sort of really chill good hip-hop i love it nice um this is a recommendation i'm surprised i haven't made and i feel a little bad but i always talk about um listeners sending us their cool works and i should say i have some stuff lined up that i need to check out uh a listener had a board game and i need to play it and i'm going to but so please know if you sent me something i'm going to get to it i'm just a little slow but uh adam barkin uh is a writer and i believe co-executive producer on sci-fi's killjoys which is 
awesome. It's such a fun show. I'm a little behind. I think season two just wrapped, but they also just announced that season three got picked up. Um, if you have not been watching Killjoys, it is the easiest analogy to make for it is that it's kind of like Firefly kind of thing, but it's um, rogue bounty hunters in space. Like describing the show as like, um, oh God, like Battlestar or Firefly or something like that, I think does it a little bit of a disservice because it's not those things. It's its own thing, but it's very much that you've got a great crew, awesome people that you're going to have fun with doing really fun badass things out in space so it's easy to recommend i think seasons one and two make for perfect binge watching if you're looking for something before you know your favorite fall tv show comes back and then uh killjoys will become one of your favorite shows so check it out you find it on sci-fi in the u.s uh i'm not sure where else internationally but it's called killjoys and it's it's really fun it's really really easy to recommend that's it we did it jeff canada Congrats to you, buddy. Hopefully everything went smoothly. I look forward to hearing from you uh, soon. Thank you again to Chris Bergman, everybody hanging out with us. We did it. We did a show, you guys. Happy Labor Day. Until next week, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. Hello, Christian. Jeff Kanata here. Long-time listener, first-time caller. I uh, am literally, literally sitting in my car in the parking lot of the hospital where my wife is about to give birth to our son. But I could not uh, allow you, my nemesis, to have an episode without me, me contributing at all, especially because this is the week... That WoW Legion came out, and oh my god, oh my god. It could not be a worse week for WoW Legion to come out now that my son's going to be here. Uh, if You know, a game like that, it's pretty much the worst game that could happen, because I am back, baby. I am back into WoW. I am so excited about this game again. It is so good. This, this expansion is so good. I'm already level 107. I mean, it's probably where I'm going to stop, right? Because I'm a father now and there's no room for these kinds of games. But I have to tell you how much I've been loving it this week. Uh, I've been playing it pretty much nonstop. And it is... I've, I don't think I've ever had as much fun in World of Warcraft as I'm having now. Now, I know for the years that we've been friends, I have told you over and over again how much I love WoW. And every expansion I've told you is great. This one better than all the all the rest. I know it may sound hyperbolic, but they have reached a new high watermark for this kind of content. And as aged as this engine is, they are squeezing so much cool out of it. They've just perfected how to marry great narrative content with interesting things to do, <clears throat> leveraging the whole world again. The narrative for this is super cool. Now, I know a couple of weeks ago, I talked about how... In the run-up to Legion, they were they released a patch that had like this invasion force that was entering Azeroth. And there were all these invasion points where the demons were entering the world and you were running from invasion point, fending off the demons. Super cool. Super cool stuff. And I talked about those, those that big moment with both the Alliance and the Horde where you're both fighting the same demon that Gul'dan is is in charge of, is is commanding. Super cool. Well, now the invasions have ended. The Legion is here, and we have to deal with it. And, you know, pretty much 
the way these expansions work and have worked for a decade now is that, you know, you have a, a, a previous level cap. In this case, it was a hundred and the new expansion comes out and then you go to the new expansion area and you start leveling up to the new level cap and you go from quest to quest, from area to area, getting new gear doing the new quests and and leveling up your character again. And it's a very specific order. You go from place to place, it shovels you from place to place, and you do it in a very specific order. And you can't play with your friends if they're farther ahead than you or you're farther ahead than them. It's a very specific order. Legion has, has taken all that away. Legion has taken all the barriers away from fun and said, let us do all the work. You guys just have fun with each other. Go wherever you want. There are four major areas in the Broken Isle, which is the new expansion in Legion. And you can pretty much play them in any order you want. You get to pick which place you go to next, and the game scales to meet your level. And if you want to play with friends who've done more or done less than you, so be it. The game scales even within your own group. So you can have a level 107 guy and a level 102 guy, and you can quest together and no problem. The enemies feel right to both of you. Nobody's OP. Nobody's underpowered. It's great. Amazing. And the, and the areas themselves work and play into the fiction of, of the Legion storyline in such a smart way. <laughs> Basically what's happened is Legion has arrived and the only way to stop them is to get these pillars, pillars of power or eternity. I don't remember what they're called. I'm sitting in a car in the middle of a parking lot in a hospital. I can't check this stuff. They're pillars, okay? They're pillars. You need to get them to save Azeroth, okay? So each of the, the areas that you go to in the Broken Isle, the all of the quests there lead to a, a dungeon at the end of them leading up to acquiring one of these pillars. So everything is really focused. You know where you're headed. You, you have a sense of progression and an end goal and everything is not arbitrary. It's all leading to that point. And the areas themselves are wildly different and beautiful and interesting. And they're squeezing so much out of this graphics engine. The game looks better than it's ever looked, even if it is, you know, showing its age. <laughs> it's still awesome. And you're doing all kinds of new cool things. The dungeons are full of variety and innovation and you're doing cool stuff. There's a dungeon that starts with a, uh, a water slide, right? And these dungeons are, are the five man, you know, the real test of your skill set. And there's one that starts with a water slide and you water slide into it. There's another one that's like Thor's world in, in, in the Thor movies with Odin and all the kings and it looks painterly and uh, impressive and, 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 majestic and there's another one where it's like a uh like a, a a pirate's shore that's full of chaotic electrical energy and each of the bosses that you fight on that shore with ruined pirate ships and wreckage everywhere each of those bosses as you defeat them makes the weather patterns and the and the maelstrom surrounding the sh- shore even more chaotic and more intense. So you defeat one boss, and there's these big wind gusts that start. And you defeat the second boss, and then lightning strikes are hitting all around the island. And as you're trying to fight the trash on the island, it's lightning strikes, are, you have to dance between them. And then you would defeat the third boss, and there are these big tornadoes, and everything feels crazy, and it's raining, and it's dark, and all of the weather is getting more and more chaotic because you are disrupting the balance on the island by defeating the bosses. And then you defeat the final boss, and everything gets 
clear and sunny and bright and you got rid of all of the evil in the area and it, it's so powerful and cool and triumphant. And that's just one of the dungeons that you do. All of them are super unique. There's an area in the Broken Isles where you get a grappling hook and you can grapple from grapple point to grapple point along this this mountain range and over these rooftops and you can kind of avoid enemies or drop down on them using these grappling hooks and you can reach different treasures that are hidden by using these grappling hooks and now you feel like Batman or Spider-Man grappling around and you're doing that in WoW. And you've never done that in WoW. It's, it's a new mechanic that they've added in. And they're squeezing so much out of this engine that you just, it feels every, around every corner is something new and something interesting to discover and, and do that's different. And then, as you're doing all that stuff, you've also got a complete redesign of the classes. I'm playing as a, as a disciplined priest now. I've never done that before. And that's a, a priest that heals through damage, which they've never done in WoW before, which is super awesome. <laughs> and yes, a lot of this stuff has been done in other MMOs. Guild Wars has scaling levels that you can play with your friends. Uh, even games like Skyrim, will the, it'll scale to react to you. So it's nothing new, but it's new for a wow. And it makes it feel exciting because this is a game I've been playing for a decade. Anyway, new, new classes uh, have all been redesigned so that they feel fresh and interesting. But also they've got these things called artifacts now in the game. Now, part of the central role-playing game or fantasy wish fulfillment is the idea of finding that epic weapon and reforging it, you know, the sword of Anduin in, in Tolkien or whatever. In, uh, I, I think I said the right thing. Whatever. Whatever the sword is that the they do in Lord of the Rings. Anyway, that's the idea here, is that each of the specializations of a class, not just the classes, but each specialization of a class. So the classes, each class, and there's what, a dozen classes at least? I think there's more. Uh, each class has multiple specializations. So, you know, two or three specializations for every class. Each of those specializations has their own weapon that has lore and story and a big quest line. And you go and you get that weapon. And it has majesty and power and it's important. And it fits in the world in a very specific way. And it has this history to it. And you get it. And then you're the person that gets to wield it and you can level up the weapon and you can give, uh, you can, uh, give it certain properties and it gives you new skills and you feel awesome because you got this very important weapon. For example, the character that I've been playing for 10 years now is a retribution paladin, basically the damage dealing paladin as opposed to the healing paladin or the tank paladin. And in the beginning of, of Legion, like the stuff that I was talking about last week, where you do those big quests preparing for Legion, and you see Gul'dan wielding this, you know, uh, or um, controlling this demon, and he's forcing both the Horde and the Alliance to deal with him. Well, what he's doing is he has captured this famous Alliance paladin by the name of Tyrion. And Tyrion's weapon that he has been using to fight these forces of evil is called Ashbringer. And you see it on his back and in these, in this quest that every single player in the game has to do at the beginning of Legion. You see it on his back. You see him trying to wield it, but he's defeated by Gul'dan in this epic moment. Everybody sees it, but just the retribution paladins, when they get their epic artifact quest, go back to that spot after that battle and recover Ashbringer from the corpse of Tyrion and have to defeat demons on the way to get 
Ashbringer. And only Retribution Paladins then become the new High Lord and wield Ashbringer and level up Ashbringer. And now you've got this weapon that had importance and that had a backstory and you saw it in action and now you're the one who gets it. And it's not just new loots, you know? Sweet loots that you get in these games. And there's plenty of sweet loots that you're still getting, but you have this epic weapon that has has lore, it has it has weight, it has gravitas, because you get to be the one that wields it. And these quests for every single specialization are different, and they're leveraging all of the world of Azeroth to send you out in them to find these weapons. I had a friend that went to the Mr. Bandaria con- uh, content to find his weapon. I went to, as my uh, uh, disciplined priest, I went to the... Uh, Wrath of the Lich King areas. So you're now going back to all of these cool areas that still exist in the world, but people haven't touched in so long because they're part of old, old, uh, expansions or old areas. But now it's like they're re- rediscovering these things and it feels like a much more cohesive world where everything is still important and all these old areas have weight and history and there are things there that are important and you're back and you're getting them. Dude, it is, it, it is so fun again. Because there's so much to discover around every corner and they're, they're delivering that story content and everything feels so focused and so pushing you through to the main story arc, which is bad stuff, let's fight it, let's all unite together to get behind it, and it's all pushing you toward that. I've never had more fun playing WoW. I'm back! If it wasn't for the fact that I'm having a child. Child's gonna be a big problem with being back, but I got to level 107. And maybe I'll have some sleepless nights where I can uh, figure out a way to cradle him in my arm and still click buttons. But I couldn't let this episode go by without ravings about WoW Legion. Because if you are a lapsed World of Warcraft player, you deserve to go back and rediscover what makes this game so great. It is truly the best WoW expansion they have ever done. There's so much to like about it. Yeah, you're still watching your cooldowns and clicking your buttons and doing that old wow stuff. But they have found the fun. They have found so much variety within those old engines, within those old game mechanics. They have found so many new things for you to constantly be doing between your your class hall quests and your artifact quests and your story quests. And now all the all even all the trade skills are quest based instead of just grinding. It is a refinement of that 10 year old formula that has gotten so good and has so much imagination and interest in it. I just, I just cannot say enough good things about this expansion. It, it, it has reminded me what I fell in love with in the first place and proved to me that they can continue to make this product better even a decade later. So if you love wow, man, check it out again. Uh, guys, I got to go birth my child now. I hope you're having a good episode. I love you. Think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.